today we are welcoming Trish Klein, Adult Services Coordinator at Redger Public Library. Welcome, Hi. Trish. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So I just thought we would get in a little bit to your history at Redger Public Library ah. first. So how long have you been with us, Trish? I have been here 32, almost 33 years. 33 years as of January 25th, so it's coming up pretty quickly. That's crazy. So, <laughs> and when you started, the library did not look like how it looks now. They, it did not look like how it does now. As a matter of fact, I just told Claire that when I started, the room that we are in was the staff room. And just for like people at home who they are not seeing this See room, it's a, it's a small room. It has a nice bathroom, which mm -hmm. is nice but we call it the green room now, and it's it's smaller than like a bedroom. Yeah, there's two tables, three <laughs> chairs, yeah. that's about all. Yeah, and yes. that's what fits comfortably. Yes. So it's interesting that that was like the staff room, and that was a good size. And that was a good size, and we, you know, came down here in a couple of shifts to have our breaks and everything like that. So is this pre-fire um, hall? Yes, pre-fire pre hall. So when I started here, the children's uh, library was downstairs in the basement. Oh, I remember coming to visit there during and, the show. Uh, I think they had just moved up the nonfiction to level four because it used to be on level two. And the fiction was on level two, and I knew that because I always used to go upstairs and grab all my <laughs> romance paperbacks from the- As everyone should be. As everyone <laughs> should be <laughs> when I first started, yes. Nice. Yeah, and, and desks were in different places, and the office was upstairs on level four. Uh, I can't even picture it at all. Like, I remember coming to the children's library when it was in the basement, like, and I remember the sale being in the basement, mm -hmm. um, and not in, like, what the smell looks like now, and, but nothing about where things were makes sense to me, <laughs> like, looking at the building now. Like, which part was, like, does it even exist anymore? Which part was, like, all of this was children's, or, like, what's the deal? The children's department would be where our technical services oh, and IT oh, area okay. is I now. Know. Oh, they had windows, so that's nice. Yeah, it probably was, you know, because we didn't have those bathrooms. It was, it was further to the, I guess, oh, so it east like a the little bit. Space a little bit. A little bit more of that space. Yeah. yeah. And then on the other side, we actually had a place called the Canada Room, which as the staff grew, that's where the staff room went to. So fancy now. The Canada Room. The Canada Room. <laughs> <laughs> like we're, yeah, in the well, it is the Centennial Building, you know. <laughs> what brought you to libraries with Trish at that time? Uh, at that time, I was doing substitute teaching, and um, it didn't really fit. I, it turns out I do not like to discipline <laughs> children, <laughs> except for my own, <laughs> and uh, it was very stressful for me. And I'd always, I've always loved libraries. So I grew up in Edmonton, and libraries were a big part of our family life. I lived near the Woodcroft Library, and so that was one of our main libraries, and I would go there uh, an awful lot. But one of the great things, like on Sundays, not every Sunday, every couple of weeks or something like that, we would go downtown, and we would go to Stanley Milner, and we would go into the children's books and we'd all get our books and that was for me you know that's a real part of um, 
what evoked family life for me and, yeah. and memories that I, I have of growing up. It was always so good. So I remember at my interview when here, when they were talking about, well, what, why, why libraries? Um, and I, I had to say, you know, I've always loved the library, but I think that one of the things that I only ever saw was people just stamping the books. Due date. Due yeah. date. Due date. <laughs> and I, and I oh. knew that that was what I didn't want to do yeah. necessarily. I wanted to do some other things. And so when this position up in adult services opened up with reference, and, and back then, of course, it was, it was reference. There was no Google. Yeah. And we had... Uh, Basically, you were Google. We Someone were call Google. you up. Yep, and we were like, Google. Tell me this random thing, and yes. you would have to not use Google, which I use now on reference <laughs> all, all the time, <laughs> and all find the, time. the thing. Yes, so we'd have to go around to find the books. We had a much bigger reference section, and that still, of course, was not going to give us all the answers because we were just a small library. So yeah. sometimes we had to phone Edmonton, or sometimes we had to phone Calgary, or you know, we'd make calls to Statistics Canada uh, just, so to, just, like to, just to, just to access, access information. information. And, you know, even so different than you wanted to order a book, you had to look it There'd up. be no online catalog. There was nothing Oh my online. gosh, I didn't even think about that, where you could just be like, oh, like, you know, the Patreon app, you have that yeah. certain title. Oh, nope, let me try this computer thing yes. in five different ways, and it takes you Right to, well, like, we either that. look uh, at our distributor, Library Bound, or, yeah. you know, you look at Amazon, or you, you and it's right there at your fingertips. We had a huge set of books, and you looked through them, and you wrote down on a pink slip of paper yeah. uh, all the information, the ISBN, the title, the author, uh, all the information that the person acquisitions would need to order that book and if you messed up a little bit you sometimes Got ordered a, a $100 <laughs> and remember that's a while ago $100 book on Russian architecture <laughs> It was beautiful. It was beautiful. But not what we were looking for. <laughs> it was really beautiful. I have, I have no idea what I was ordering, but I do remember that <laughs> book and and the librarian saying to me, you know, it's 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 okay. It's a nice book, but really you have to double this check your I guess yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So like reading as growing up, that's sort of the traditional use of the library. You come and you borrow books. Right. And that's what libraries are for. That's historically speaking. That's yes, what are. historically speaking, yeah. that was definitely um, what we did. When I first started here, up on level four, uh, pre, of course, the expansion where we had the bridge going across and anything, when the wall just ended, mm. um, right by the reference desk, which at the time was a big half-circular desk that faced out towards the windows. Oh, that's kind of nice. Yeah. Although, like, your back is to... Oh, did the stairs not exist? The no. stairs did not exist on In it. In that way, because it was the other side. Yes, oh, yes. Right. So there was another entrance and going up. So they would come up the other stairs, and then you would come out, and you'd see the reference desk. 
facing towards our beautiful windows. Which would be a nice vibe now, too, mm -hmm. for us. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, although I do have to tell you, the hun sun hits those windows. <laughs> you can't You're see anything. Like oh. You're blinded. <laughs> but when I started, they had just started moving the card catalog to computers. So they had four people that were sitting there that had been hired specifically to do this job of grabbing a card and entering all the data into Oh my gosh. I mean, you don't think about that part of it. Like, because a few years ago, we went from a different sign up. Like, we used barcodes, and now we're using mm -hmm. RFID like so many other people are doing. And we did all of that by hand. We had to go back mm -hmm. and tag every single book by itself. But the idea of, like, manually inputting, like, the year of the book, the title, the ISBN, all of that, like, Library of Congress information, like, what is what are the things, what are the hits about, you know, like, is it about nature, is it about, like, all those things manually. Yes. Holy smokes. Yeah. And that's not that long ago, but it also feels like it's been a while ago to be computery. Mm -hmm, I don't know, because, mm -hmm. like, um, in the 90s, like, when I was in school, we had computer labs, and you would go and you would, like, play Oregon Trail or, like, that weird typing thing where you'd be, like, pressing J-J-J-F-F-F. Um, so, like, computers were not ubiquitous. Like, people didn't have them in their homes. No. So for the library to be, like, computers are happening, we better better do computers yes like, yes <laughs> that's like pretty good foresight for like 30 some mm -hmm, years mm -hmm. ago yeah because people wouldn't have conceived of the internet or cell phones or anything like that at that time yeah Can it you was imagine just transforming a person from 1987 oh. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> well that's like can you imagine that would make a great story yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, get on it. Get on it. I expect it to see that in print. <laughs> <laughs> I want a time travel romance. That's your job now, Shannon. <laughs> get on it. I'll do my best. But you've always been a reader then. Yes. So the fit for the library was like literacy and books and doing for others that had been done in your childhood. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. you continue to be a reader. Obviously, preferences change over yes, the years. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, they, they definitely did. I mean, um, I was one of those lucky people that I, whether that was because my parents read to me or I was a natural reader or whatever it was, I um, read a lot, even starting out, even the smaller books. I started to read chapter books very young. Mm -hmm. And uh, I do remember a contest, and I remember this because it still irks my best friend, <laughs> that I beat her by this much in this contest of how many books we could read in, in I think it was grade two, oh and I, I I beat her by you know just a little just bit, just <laughs> enough to get the book. <laughs> and I read a lot of. That's a um, metaphor for some people's lives, I'm sure. Yes, I'm sure it is. <laughs> but I was very much I got into a lot of the the Nancy Drew books were my big thing yeah. in you know those early six, seven, eight, all the way up there and. And I remember wanting them all. And I remember that we looked through newspapers and the sale ads because people would sell off their Nancy Drew books. And oh, my wow. parents, my father in particular, because my mother didn't drive, would drive us to around wherever, that, wherever was. that was yeah. so that we could get the Nancy Drew books. And at the time, I did have a full set of Nancy Drew books. Wow. So, And I still have my mother's Nancy Drew book that is, I believe, I looked at this not too long ago, 1936. So one of the OGs. 
Yes, she, she got it in school. My mother was quite a bit older than I was, so she had one of these original books. That's amazing. So but I like how cool. that is like the same story for people. Like people now will still like I remember my sister actually read the Hardy Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's because my dad had some. I was never a Hardy Boys or Nasty Boy reader. I'm at a workshop right now. Mm-hmm. But my mom said were you? Yeah, don't feel ashamed. I read a series of the Wheel of Fox, like some of the like highlight ones. Yeah, when it was like scary and darker and spookier, <laughs> like there might have been a murder, but there never was. <laughs> <laughs> like like Scooby Doo. Yeah. Where it's like not actually as scary as it yeah. seems as a child. Anyways. You think you're finding a corpse and no, it's just a missing cat. Boom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, my sister and my dad would go to like garage sales to find whatever numbers and he would keep a track of the numbers that they needed and she would read these new ones and it was all good. I've ne- yeah, I've never into it. And then collection got passed to my brother. My brother's extremely uninterested in reading <laughs> and extremely <laughs> uninterested <laughs> So then they just, yeah, they just go away. So yeah, it's kind yeah. of sad because you think about the collections and you, you kind of still have Nancy Drew on your walls, but then you grow up and you think you don't need them. And now you'd be like, I actually would like them. <laughs> I gave them, I didn't give them away until I was an adult. Um, and it was more a case of room in some cases. And also the fact that my daughter was not a fiction reader. And I, I, w- I was going to say right out there, I'm not a reader. And that turned out not to be true. I was a poor librarian mother <laughs> because I did not realize until probably she was an adult that what she was was a nonfiction reader. Interesting. And because I was such a fiction That's what sort reader. of was in the house. and Yes, yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. And she didn't want to do that. And now, now she does read, but she reads nonfiction. Interesting. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hi, and welcome back. We're still talking today with Trish Klein, and uh, we are moving on from the history of the library to moving on to um, what's exciting for Trish now and what she's doing at this time. So we invite Trish to be a maker in our space, and she uses lots of art things. So tell us more about what you're doing with those. Okay, specifically where we're looking at in some of the programs that I have done. Um, evening artistry is something that started about four years ago. And the background of evening artistry was going to the library conference the at Jasper. And one of the, I guess it, was, it wasn't a a session. It was sort of something that was done afterwards. It was one of the uh, things outside. My, my words have failed me. <laughs> <laughs> Social things. And they had somebody who taught a painting class. And at the time, Ben, who happened to be our digital literacy coordinator, and I started talking about doing something in terms of doing an art class because we both were makers and he painted and I painted in a in a sense <laughs> by that it, by that point I had I hadn't done a lot of painting I was very much what they would call a decorative painter or a toll painter and I hadn't done a lot of just doing it on my own so for the first while Ben 
did all, found all of the art and made up all of the art and everything like that. And I said, at one point I said, okay, I'm going to have to do one. See. <laughs> to see, well, and not only that, it was really unfair for me to have him do all of it. <laughs> and all I had to do was go around and pour paint for people. <laughs> and take a look at things but I think it it certainly said something about where I was with my confidence with painting yeah. and anything like that that I didn't I was scared and that's the thought that I'm having because if people are familiar now Trish leads that program on her own she does it from the ground up so like I didn't realize that Ben was so like instrumental in the start of the oh, program, yes, but then yeah. how you flourished within the, in program. the program. Yeah, very much so. Um, I remember the conversation, you know, on the in the van on the way back from the conference, and okay, well, this is how we're going to do it and how we're going to start it. And, you know, he did the first uh, painting, and a lot of it was, you know, you'd look on the internet and find something that works and that you can use and and do all this stuff and that was how it started so the first painting that we ever did was the birch trees and every once in a while you know some of the people that did that painting we did a staff night as well uh, will show those up on their memories and Instagram yeah. or all of that kind of stuff so I think I had in January or February had done one or something like that and then Ben moved yeah. to Ontario left us <laughs> <laughs> and I was left with this program extremely successful program that was extremely successful and what was I going to do and I had to make a decision about whether or not to go forward with it. And uh, let me tell you, I, I've talked to Shannon about this a little bit and being scared of putting yourself out there no, as a I maker, as a, <laughs> as a maker and an artist and, and putting, even not even just putting yourself out on social media yeah. or anything like that, just having the confidence uh, to believe in yourself and to believe in your talent. And it's, it's something I do struggle with very much. Yeah. But I also find that if I have to do it, I will do it. Which is sort of like how introverts can be good public speakers or do that sort of thing. Because it's like, well, if I have to do it, I'll do it. Yeah. It's not my preference, but I'll do it. I'll do it. And yeah. I'll get out there and I'll probably, you know, I'll do it well. And so from that point on, this program has really, really grown. How uh, many people do you reach with that program? Oh, that what we were doing when we could see people in person pre-pandemic pre-pandemic <laughs> was two nights of classes per month with up to 20-ish per class yeah. which was there was always a wait list always a wait list yeah well i mean we didn't charge a lot for it either which I think was really good because there are people that can't afford to go out and pay, you know, the $45 or something. For like a, yeah, paint night. Well, which is, accessible. for people that don't know, um, it's a paint night type of program, and if you're not familiar with that either. Um, so it's where the host will take you through step-by-step step of a painting. So that you, obviously not everyone's paintings are the same. People will choose different colors or 
or you know different vibes or maybe not add this or add in or that. put a death star in your christmas painting yeah which however we they did want have. to do but <laughs> you're guiding them through and you're telling them like what the brushes how pastel behave or you know using water techniques or whatever so it's basically a, a paint night for those of you who are not familiar we're talking about it so everyone knows yes knows what, what evening artistry, artistry is that, yeah that's absolutely right <laughs> and you've done some different evening artistries within that like not yes. like they have predominantly been painting yes uh, but you have tried some some different mediums and different things yes and you come back to the painting uh, very you know i think very much very much so it's still meant to be something that can be done on some sort of canvas type right thing whereas some of the techniques have changed when i got into alcohol inks um i did a class i came right you with my mama with your mom <laughs> and I mean I love alcohol inks but I do have some concerns about their safety uh, and you know large ink and everything so I only did the one class well people did ink in with little brushes and painted them yeah mm -hmm. so there's a skill that is pretty much that's yeah. everyone you can hold has. a pencil you can, any hold type a pencil, of way, you can do that you're kind holding of that stuff. pencil yeah. yeah and you don't need a whole bunch of special equipment like no. a canvas and a well, and paint. Yeah. <laughs> you do need the paint. Um, so, yeah, we've done those kinds of things this last month when we were in pandemic mode and we had to do it all online. I did a glue gun painting, which was, you know, showing texture and how glue gun, the glue from a glue gun can become a texture and paint over it. And I'm curious I, I, about that. Just the feedback immediately. To yeah. <laughs> trying to instruct people with a camera, how is that different? It's been interesting. <laughs> so I've only done it the one time. Uh, December seventh is the next one. Um, it is full already, but you can get your supply list uh, uh, on the. Well, that's sort of the good thing about being online. I'll let you get back to it. Yes. But just the pro plug the program yes. quickly. Um, if you are interested in getting your supply list or getting your name on the wait list for, for perhaps the next one, you can email Trish at pcline at rdcl. Pcline, Patricia, not for not T. I lied to you all. Pcline at rdcl.org, and uh, Trish will email you the list of supplies so you can follow and, along and with her. And it should be actually. Team. I'm getting it ready to go straight on the website as well. Oh, so, sweet. So that nice. should be. I just. I realized I sent it out to a couple of people just to test things and then realized I'd forgotten a couple of supplies. <laughs> so I'm trying to go through it all on my in my head to make sure that I, I have it all. So you'll see it on our calendar of events then. Yes. And it'll link you to and where I you can I think it'll be under up. the Kits to Go. Oh, perfect. Yes, Kits to Go is where you're going to, to find everything. Is it a Zoom? Uh, it is. It's on YouTube. So, and then it does get filmed, and then it's available on our Facebook page. So even if you miss the sign-up, because it's full, you can take notes. That's right, and, and follow you can along follow along later. And if that evening's not working for you, yeah, it's it. it, So yeah. that's certainly something that I think is absolutely great, and I'd love to see it worked into something post-pandemic or whenever we Yeah, it would be great. Being able to, to do something like that so that it, people might not you know feel comfortable still coming in person or they missed it and they can't make it um, then they can go back to it we had I think one of the things that I find 
it and it's hard hard to figure out when you are doing something on a public Facebook. So would it be better on a Zoom where I could see people and I could see their projects because I can't see Yeah, they'll be like, Trish, I'm having trouble with such and such. And in person, you just go around I and be like, I just go around you know, and say, this is what, try this, yeah. do this. And it makes, but I can't do that because all I'm seeing is their comments and their questions. Yeah. I think the other thing that I found a little difficult was uh, you, you need a pattern. You need that that talk. You know, you're sitting there and yeah. it's dead quiet. <laughs> if you don't talk, nobody else is talking. Yeah. I don't know that I have that much interesting to say, <laughs> but I'm starting these days to start to think about things for the next one. Yeah, the filler uh, chit chat. The filler chit chat. That in person is easy because you have someone to play off of. Well, exactly. Yeah. Yes, and we're talking, and I'm talking to this person, or I'm talking to that person, and not everybody put a comment. Yeah. On on the on the page and on the comments, and I'm going, well, I'm not sure who all is there. Yeah. And and are they getting it? Like you're because mm-hmm. you're not seeing their faces. Like, am I explaining this in a way that makes sense to the person on the other exactly. side of this camera? Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, and not only that, people are much more willing to go, Trish, come here. Yeah. I need, take a look at this. I need this. I need to figure this out. Or can I do it this way? So when we're talking about, you know, doing the shading or doing something. And so this one will be much more interesting because the the glue gun one is fairly simple. Yeah. In terms of colors and what you had to do. I like it's like haltingly simple. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like it appears simple. Yes, (laughs) yes. It's, it, it's, yeah. it appears simple and sometimes it's less. So we'll see. We'll see how it all goes. But we did have uh, quite a few extra views as well. So I was quite pleased with the views that uh, showed up uh, once I got It's nice to get that engagement. Exactly. Particularly on a program that has been historically extremely successful yes. for the library to see that it can you know, transition into, into our pandemic times mm-hmm. and, and have it still be there for people and, and in a fulfilling Exactly. Well, I think that's part of the normal that everyone's talking about with the universalization of the library is the normal. But it is a normal feeling to have a program that existed before mm-hmm. and to get excited about the same program yeah. being now feels good. It yeah. feels like that we can get through it, we can survive it, we can still carry on with the things we love, mm-hmm. albeit differently, yeah. but still We, we may, may have had to pivot. do a little pivot. Pivot, pivot. 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 Yes, yes. We did talk about a little bit about, because the other program that I had started doing was the needle felting program. Um, that one seems a little more dangerous without supervision. That, that, that <laughs> seems a little bit more dangerous without supervision. It's just a little bit farther out of reach. Yes. Right? Just a little bit too technical for the garage. Right, yeah. yeah. Especially if I couldn't see people. Yeah. So. And no one in their house perhaps for first aid. Yes. <laughs> There can be pain involved. That's uh, oh, your finger is not supposed to be there. <laughs> I have a quick question. Yes. Uh, going forward, then uh, post pandemic, or even still, if if it's with us for a while, we'll have to come up with interesting things to do. What what other things have 
just for maybe mm. five minutes. Do you know what? I haven't really listened to any whispers. <laughs> I've been I've been doing other things. You know, the whispers wh- are getting pushed to the side. Uh, whispers, any whispers <laughs> are getting pushed to the the other side. Um, I sh- maybe I shouldn't say that. I should take a look at uh, some of the things that I have been you know, trying because, of course, one of the things that hopefully we will have when we open downtown up again and, and see where things are going is that we will have, I hope, the Cricket Maker will be coming out. Yeah. And I have... Which Trish, just like side note, made a beautiful lit up <laughs> angel. She showed me the photo. It's really cool. Yes, and that is from... Um, you know, I can't remember the artist that actually did the pattern on that one, except for her name is Joa, or yeah, pronounced like Noah, but it's G-J-O-A, beautiful lit up angel, um, full of very intricate cuts. One of the things that I tend to do is let's not start at the very beginning and do something <laughs> simple. Yeah. Jump right yeah, in. Let's do expert level projects. Let's just jump right in, and then when you can't do it and you're very frustrated, you don't understand that maybe you should have started out with something very simple. Oh, that that hits me where I live. <laughs> However, it's easier to fail at something hard than fail, fail at, at something, something simple. simple. So you might as well go all the way. That's very true. true. I'm going to remember that one next time I'm feeling really bad by something that did not work out. It's literally the reason I didn't drive until I was in my 20s. (laughs) (laughs) I failed the test as like a 15 year old. something and immediately they come up with something beautiful or they totally understand it or that and that's not me (laughs) so when people you know are getting very frustrated about their art or anything like that I can I know exactly where (laughs) it comes from and a lot of it is practice and a lot of it sometimes is finding out another way of doing it that part feels the hardest though the practice because as a maker, like, I would also identify myself as a maker. If you see something and you're like, I could do that, like, internally, mm-hmm. I could do that. You start doing it, you're like, I cannot do this. <laughs> and suddenly it's like, well, I can't do anything. I can't make anything. I'm not going to make this work. It's garbage. Like, just throw it away. Like, life yeah. should not exist. That, to me, is the human experience. Because everyone does it. It happens to me with writing. Yeah. I'll think I have this great idea and then I'll write you're it down. You're excited about it. Yeah. Oh, it's so garbage. <laughs> What a waste of time. What, yes. like, what a waste I'm of paper. never going to be able to go forward. Why like. did I write that in my good journal? <laughs> yeah. So, but I think that, that that can't be trash. Those yeah. are the steps you need to get to the thing that you really want to make. And yeah. that has to be honored. I agree logically for other people. Absolutely. <laughs> but for myself, I'm immediately, if I'm not good at it, it's garbage. It shouldn't exist in this world. But don't someone else, it. I'd be like, oh, try again. Like, I, you're you're on your way there. Like, I don't see the problem. Like, you're doing well. But for myself, I'd be like, you failed. Just I, like, I'm very much like, I'm very much like Claire, yeah. where it's just like, well, this thing just, this was. It sucks. Throw it in the garbage. Like, I, I just, 
yeah okay obviously this craft is not for me yeah and, and it's probably are, fake fake news yeah. we are all <laughs> nobody our made this best critic right <laughs> yeah. like it's no one else is going to judge you yeah. as harsh as you will oh yeah. absolutely oh, yeah. and yeah. i mean Never you see that of of course, on a lot of Facebook pages for the various art, I do a lot of alcohol ink um, pages on Facebook. And I also follow lots of alcohol pages, but no, <laughs> alcohol. no, no ink with those. Eh? No, no <laughs> ink. And if there's ink in Shadow's pages, something has gone wrong. Something has gone wrong. And of course, needle felting and all of those. And you know, you always see people who start off by saying, Oh, this is my first time. I am not as good as you guys, or yeah. you know, and we we all have to qualify ourselves. We all have to qualify ourselves, and it's uh, I will still do that, even though I'm saying you shouldn't do that. But it's yeah. really hard to get your your well, head so out of it. You feel overwhelmed. Yeah, right. And I feel like it's easier to try once you're sort of happy with how things are going. Like when I started with my lettering, I didn't like anything that I was making, but I needed it for a library program. So I had to practice and continue to do it. And then once you get to a place where you're like, I'm happy, like I'm happy with how this is going. It's much easier to try the new thing or to forgive yourself for that small mm -hmm. mistake or whatever. Oh, the cushion of confidence yeah. should not be underestimated. It's oh, real. very much so, you know, and, and I think even, um, I, I'm not the best painter in the world. Yeah. But I can I can do a painting that people will, and that maybe is that probably better. Yeah. I can guide them really really well through this painting, and um, I can take a look and I can tell you what you need to do to improve your painting. If yeah. you, then it's really helpful when you can see it. <laughs> um, but so we have our talents and we have our things and and we just have to recognize that we've got this and then you go on to learning other things and and i have to say i'm one of those people that does bounce around and like to try new yeah. things but sometimes it would be tell you i am also that person okay <laughs> and then and then we also yeah and then you also have to say how much room do you have in your house yeah. <laughs> it's like i'm a little bit of yarn stash yeah. raise your hand yeah. <laughs> exactly well because you see something and if you are a creative type like i'm sure with your writing too as soon as you see something or you have an idea, you're like, well, I just go out and get all those things and make this project mm -hmm, and get it mm -hmm, out of my brain. In mm -hmm. the same way, when you have an idea that is just so there and like there, you just, I have to get it out. I have to get it. So it's the same for bakers. And it's like, well, now I'm poor because I've gone to Michael's and bought everything for this one project that turns out I'm not that great at. <laughs> you are rich we'll, in experience. Yes, we'll have on. to get better. Exactly. Uh -huh. <laughs> have the tools to do more. And I think... I don't think you should feel shame or whatever about your stash. Everyone's got one, yeah. and it's because you were excited, and it just allows you to do more. So just do more. I but love that you're happy. Yeah, I love this glass half full. Not even half full. <laughs> all the way full, Shannon. I'll let I'll let our listeners into a little secret here. I am not a glass half full. Sorry, what was that? Yeah. I have no idea. This is just in. <laughs> Shannon and I were having a conversation earlier how in some ways I'm extremely like black and white. Obviously there's gray in some issues, but in some ways I'm like black and white. And Shannon's like, well, you can see the positive in this or in that. I know. <laughs> and again, it's just manifesting all day today. And I just have to let our listeners know as they're getting to know Shannon as our co-host that this is, this is what she brings to the table. So. All right. So <laughs> in a maker world, we're all makers here. You, sorry, yeah. you make your existence. 
So do you make it with a full skein of yarn? Do you make it with a full bottle of paint? <laughs> or do you just rummage around in the crusty old bits at the bottom and try to make something beautiful? You get to choose. Why are you gotta be like that? <laughs> call me out, call me out here on this podcast, on this on this day in front of Trish. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Monday. Yeah. Shannon may never be invited back as co-hosting again. Ex host. Yeah. Our hardware. former host. <laughs> Shannon. Oh, easy come, easy go. <laughs> Sure. I want to know what it looked like before when you first started at the library and it, it wasn't all just card catalog and due date stamping. I, the library has offered programs of all different kinds for ages. It was a community hub. People needed to come in and view things other than just your book, but that's a priority for sure. Was there lots of maker programs back then that you could get people through the door with? Was that even a, a that priority? You know, for I'm I'm trying to you know go back in my brain here. Uh, Sorry, I'm <laughs> yes, that's a really yes. good question though because but when it you is. think about trends and how I, I, we've changed. I have often said as as we go forward, you know, through the pandemic and some changes and and all the things happening at the library, when most of what was the department that was adult services was hired as reference assistants. We were not programmers. We were not thought of as programmers. Yeah. And programming was, you know, I, it, as a matter of fact, quite, there was very few programs. And if there were programs, they were, we did book kind of things. So when we started, one of the things, when I was hired full time, I was hired as the reader's advisory coordinator which we started on level two. We did not have anybody down on uh, level two or what we call the reader's floor that helped people find their fiction books. We had the reference assistants upstairs, but there was no staff downstairs on level two. So people would just browse? They would browse. They would ask the people at the circulation department. There was just that. We had nobody that was right there to to help people out and readers advisory was fairly new it had just you know gotten started joyce derricks had written her book and and it was becoming more trendy to help people out to find people what they wanted to to read and some of the programs that we did were to have these little genre talks where the four staff members, myself and, and three part-time people, we would choose a genre and hopefully had people, they weren't, they weren't that successful, <laughs> but we would have people come in and we would talk about the romance genre. I think I did romance and- It's the best genre, I agree. And <laughs> you know, you would talk about those books and what there was involved in the genres and all of those kinds of things so so program wise it sort of went up and down sometimes there were programs on resume making or or how to use your computer a little bit you know even back in the day when you didn't do a lot of stuff like we do in google and all of that kind of stuff and people were trained from birth to get on uh, these things so 
for for where I was working, you know, because when we opened the branches, there were actual programmers. Right. Uh, we had children's programs, and then over in adult, there just wasn't a lot to bring in the adults. We had the book clubs. All of a sudden, we started the book clubs, right? So it all was very, very book-based, right. uh, a lot of our programs, or then computer-based. And, you know, it wasn't, I, I think, to remember and then some of the stuff we did oh we you know we did have a program and this is not that long ago where we did the cutting up the book pages and doing some of the book crafts and all of that kind of stuff so we probably in the last 10 years we've seen more of the maker programs to bring people in in terms of I wonder if that's because that. of like patrons taste as well like because the maker lifestyle Pinterest lifestyle or whatever is so popular that it really can bring people in because they want to, you know, see what you're making and mm -hmm. they want to maybe meet someone with similar interests or whatever. So I wonder if... I think that there's a lot of that. I think it, it, it is also the advent of the computer and of Google and of people answering a lot of their own questions, but possibly not correctly. Um, <laughs> That's someone else's Ask problem. a librarian. <laughs> um, because all of a sudden we went from having all of our time had to be spent in very concentrated work on answering these questions. Right. And that's all we had time for. And interlibrary loans took longer. Yeah. Everything had to be done by, by you <laughs> know, writing it down. And, you know, even as you got onto the computer, all the computer was was a catalog. Yeah. So it interface. wasn't a fancy interface you know people when i started the link was done by typewriter i love that though and <laughs> people that. typed it out and and i did the link for a little bit when somebody went off on a leave and you typed it out and you cut it out and you pasted everything on and then you photocopied it that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> i have a flashback memory to the photo Yes, yes. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I've never heard of something like that. I, I think I've done that too, yes. I need to be a library program now. I need to be part of this. <laughs> Cookie sheet, jelly, photocopy. Yeah. Everyone sign up. <laughs> it could happen. It's a hipster thing. There you go. Going back, well, it's, it's something to go back and see how things could be done, yeah. right? Back in the Shrinky Dinks. Bring back Shrinky Dinks. I did Shrinky Dinks. Dinks. I did a Shrinky Dinks team program oh, last fall, love and I loved that. it, and so did the teens. Love that. I love watching them People shrink. are still using. Yeah, they're yeah. amazing. I love it so much. Um, so we are going to take a little break and be right back with our reading, watching, and listening. Before we go, thank you so much, Trish, for joining us. 
And we are going to do our regular reading, watching, listening. Will you start us off, Trish? Oh, you forgot to warn me about this again. I will take... And you would think that as somebody who works in a library that I would have all this stuff in my head and I haven't. And I find that as a maker, I do tend to, at this time of year, I'm usually making things and Christmas things and I'm not reading as much. So I have had a book that I've had to renew and haven't even cracked open. But I will tell you about the last one that, uh, <laughs> that I had done. I just have to to get to my Goodreads because that's where I keep everything. Goodreads should sponsor us. They really should. Because <laughs> we mentioned them quite a few oh, times. I use them a lot. I use them a lot when someone comes in looking for a new right. book to read. Oh, and I'm yeah. flipping through it there. Uh, the, the book that I last read was The Light Over London by Julia Kelly which is um, another one of my general dual timeline um, books that are set in World War II. This one was set in England and uh, is about the, the present timeline is somebody who finds, uh, is an antiquities dealer or helper and finds a photo of someone in the, I think it's the Rim? No, it's the Akak. Um, the Akak girls, they called them. Oh. They were the ones that set up all the stuff for the blip. They set up everything. Of course, women couldn't shoot the guns, <laughs> but they set up and did all the It's like doing stuff, the maths of it. Doing the math, <laughs> doing everything else. They did, they did it all, and they did that. And so the whole story is finding out about this person's, this woman's life. So, very cool. As to watching, um, I guess I was just, I was telling Shannon earlier that one of, I'm, I'm into right now, all my NCISs have come back. The NCIS Los Angeles, NCIS New Orleans and the original NCIS, so I'm very (laughs) excited about that, so I love those, but it's also holiday baking time on Food Network, (laughs) and I have to go through and watch all of those, and I will tell you right off the bat that I hate to cook, and I hate to bake, but I love to watch other people doing it all. (laughs) I also like to test the baking, I'm just throwing that out there. Well, and you know me, I'm gluten-free and dairy-free, so I can't even, I can only watch. Oh, and so you're living vicariously. I'm really living vicariously. <laughs> and of course, I think that there's some of the artist stuff in there when you're looking at people who have to actually bake pretty things, yeah. right? The presentation. The presentation, yeah, I keep going, oh my, I'd like to be able to flood the cookie like that <laughs> and, you know, build the cake. And on, on Netflix, uh, somebody food fill. This is the reason I got Netflix about <laughs> a year and a so ago in the first place. If you have not watched somebody food fill, you have to. He travels. It. He travels the world, and they just finished the fourth season in January, just as the pandemic started. Right under the wire. <laughs> right under the wire where he goes around to different countries and, and he had started to go around to cities in the States a little bit more in this last um, season. And he 
finds beautiful restaurants and out of the way places and he has you know friends lead him around and it is a wonderful thing if you're a foodie at all to watch this and also if you like are missing your traveling because it's beautiful oh nice and trish told us earlier she's not a listener of things sorry i'm not <laughs> but she likes a radio station yeah well I, I do listen to big 105 so there you go so there you go it should sponsor us too yeah. yes <laughs> we're open to all sponsors yeah <laughs> not all yeah. again with the black and white <laughs> about you Shannon reading watching listening all right so the the watching leads to the reading which is exciting so yeah. the watching I just got a documentary from the library called the booksellers oh I watched it it's really quite good and yeah. it talks about the ebb and flow of book collecting and um, you know rare objects or rare books and, and preservation and how when you look at book collectors um, and book dealers you expect these little white haired people <laughs> um, sitting in their, their towering mound of books all around where in fact there's a renewal, a revival of young people coming into the realm and enjoying it and, and saving the books in a new way a refreshed way and um, I, I was quite impressed because I, I sometimes feel like with the advent of all the Netflix and all the digital media that are, like what we, happens to paper are we losing the, yeah. the value of the paper and I I struggle with that. I see the, the stacks even here that get culled of the old materials and I, oh my gosh, throwing away a book is just like a stab to the heart. So <laughs> I feel, I felt like a little disenchanted with that whole realm, but to see that there's some youth coming in and it's very more, much more important maybe than ever now, um, that was so exciting to me. And during all that, of course, they were showing you all these copies of the different books and, and books that were different in, in guiding us as a culture to different places. So they talked about the advent of the hip hop movement, which didn't even exist pre the eighties basically. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. and and the, the preservation of that kind of stuff and there's a lot of written words. Oh the magazines that. and yes. stuff, yeah. And then even like feminist writing that's very new. It's not Right, old, yes. it's new-ish yeah. in the book realm and and preserving that and so of course there was a whole bunch of recommendations that were popping up for this whole <laughs> thing and one of them was um, Yellow Wallpaper Charlotte Perkins Gilman and I, I haven't started it yet I just put it on hold right away and I do have it here at the library there's a couple of collections it. that uh, she's in so I thought I'd grab that and start so just an interesting idea that what you can watch will take you down a new rabbit hole and you can yeah. use Goodreads all you want but sometimes you just need to be inspired by something very specific like super yes. random you'd be like oh, yeah. and then suddenly it's like oh actually <laughs> that and, sounds and like a very cool DVD I'm and listening will be like how the heck did she find yellow wallpaper right like but this is how this yeah. is the story of how I got this was a journey that's yeah. right sometimes you have to go by yourself. and listening I'm Christmas oh my house has Christmas carols going I wait till November 12th and then it's Christmas time then it's Christmas the poppy can be the red and the Christmas <laughs> before or whatever but uh, yeah so it's full on Christmas at my house nice oh I like that um, I am reading a romance let's all be shocked romance. Ooh, yeah. a romance Claire <laughs> called Breeze the Sky by Melissa uh, I said Melissa but I meant Michelle Hazen I started it yesterday um 
cover's really beautiful. It's like a sunsetty type mm-hmm. of like colors and stuff. And it's about a girl. She's like um, she's working to preserve, you know, animals and habitat on building sites, which is interesting because that's what my cousin does for a living. Um, she works for Supernova Wild Companies, and she does that conservation type of work. So she, this woman, is sort of camping and doing this, and she's in a romance with, well, soon to be in a romance with the foreman of the site who has been very not into her <laughs> conservation techniques because it causes him time and money. So he's not into it, but then he's like slowly coming around. He saved a tortoise in the last chapter. So that was a very romantic moment. Does he come in on a helicopter? I really <laughs> want to see where somebody comes in on a helicopter. I mean, the books are not over yet. Oh. Half, just halfway there. I'll let you know Sorry. if there's a helicopter. Something else you'll have to write about. <laughs> Speaking of Christmas, I'm down for it too. I Over the weekend, I watched A Nightmare Before Christmas. Very good. Because I love that. And I can, I can listen to that soundtrack all the time. It's a good Christmas segue. Yeah, like it takes you from Halloween, Halloween to Christmas. I think it's both. I think if you start watching it in October, it'll be fine. Um, so I watched that, and then last night I watched Mrs. Christmas Carol because it's on uh, Disney Plus, and it's been a hot minute because I used to always watch it on CBC, like at Christmas they'd have it on CBC uh, Family Time, Walt Disney Family Time or whatever on Sunday nights, and it was so lovely, and it just gives you all those like nice feelings. I don't know that it's my like favorite Christmas Carol adaptation because I do love the book so much, and I've read it a few times and that sort of thing, but it's good, and it's like it's a nice introduction for children because it's short; it's only like thirty minutes. And then listening, I listened. I've listened now to a Christmas Carol twice in the last two weeks. Oh, wow! Um, performed by Tim Curry, and we uh, don't have that version. We have the Patrick Stewart version, and I just downloaded another one. I'm just, I'm just gonna keep listening to a Christmas Carol this whole time. Um, but I really like the Tim Curry one; it was really good. And then I listened. I'm gonna recommend two episodes from two different podcasts because they were related. Um, so the one is Sam Harris. His podcast is called Making Sense. And his episode, well, it's the latest episode as of recording this podcast. It's called Republic of Lies. And then the Ezra Klein show, it's episode number 380, uh, entitled The Crisis Isn't Trump, It's the Republican Party. Mm. And it's about how Sam Harris's is a very logical argument about what happens when you devalue truth in society. So not necessarily in politics, but just in society as a whole, how families can sort of navigate that, how intellectuals can navigate that, how, you know, public institutions can navigate that. And it's a quick little podcast. It's just him. Um, he is, he's quite good. I don't listen to his podcast on the super regular unless it's like a person that I know because it's always like in conversation with whomever. And I don't always know their names because then it's like, mm, I'm not going to do a ton of research to find out who it is. But it was a really, really good listen. And I'm super interested in like the devaluation of truth and what that means for societies right now. So I would say that they are sort of like a partner-ish listen. I'm really impressed with your scope. You go from Mickey <laughs> to Walt Disney all the way to truth-telling in society today. I, I, it's fascinating to me. I'm a busy person in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> good. And thank you, Trish, once again for oh, joining us. You. This was lovely. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me here and give us a little bit of history <laughs> on yeah. the story. There you go. History. We're going to have to tap you again. You're going to be a guest again. Okay. So buckle up. (laughs) Next time I'll remember to listen and watch. I'll make my list. (laughs) Yeah, it won't be my fault next time. This is your warning. Fair warning. Fair warning. (laughs) Well, I can't believe I forgot that. I know you do that. (laughs) 
So thank you so much. And for Janet and I, thank you guys for joining us. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye.